Well, today's episode is part of a virtual discussion that Brian had with several pastors and church leaders on the topic of deacons and pastors. I'm looking forward to sharing part of that with you right now as we continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors. This is Church Advance with Brian Sams. Yeah, they were. There are four areas. Let me give them to you in case you missed them. Um, uh, buildings and grounds. That's a deacon responsibility. Uh, number two is um, widow care. Widow care. I get. And by the way, I get a report on all these once a month in a, in a five minute meeting after church. Um, actually, let me let, let me give you these four real quick. Let me, let me back out of that because there's so, cut, no, something else I want to say about that. So there's buildings and grounds, there's um, widow care, there's benevolence request. By the way, if you want your benevolence to change, if you want to stop having to talk to everybody that um, wants money from you, that I can fix that problem for you in five seconds. Create a system by which they have to come and they have to meet with the deacons on Sunday morning after church without exception, and uh, you will stop getting calls. Um, they won't do it, man. They won't do it, I'm telling you. Make them fill out a budget, make them answer questions, make them meet with two or three deacons, and you tell them to do that, and they're going to back off of you real quick. That's one thing. Another, another, another thing that we've done there is we keep some canned food around. So if somebody comes and they're like, man, I'm hungry, I'll say, hey, great, man, I got some soup here for you. And we, huh? And they won't take it. <laughs> they won't take it. But hey, you're hungry. You said you wanted food. I got food. So we keep some canned food around here. And then we also have that benevolence issue that we do. And man, that has taken care of a lot of the headache there, especially some of you guys that are out there answering the phones and stuff because, you, you know, you don't have anybody else around you. Um, listen, that's going to eliminate a lot of headache. And don't think don't think that there's an exception to the rule of people that are calling churches looking for help. I'm, I'm just I promise you there's no exception to the rule. OK, there's no exception to the rule. Um, and so. I give that exclusively to a deacon. He takes care of all of it. He helps me tremendously. He's a blessing. So widows, uh, benevolence, buildings and grounds, and finances, church finances. Um, they, are, they are the ones responsible to help me create a budget. They are the ones responsible uh, to help me uh, manage and oversee funds, um, meaning I have a monthly report to all of our church leaders. It includes a it includes a monthly analysis of all the church finances, what came in, what went out, any irregularities um, are notated in that meeting. And so that's my means of keeping accountable to that. The deacons also set my salary. Um, that's another responsibility they have. It's kind of hard for me to push my own salary. Um, <clears throat> but now there's only been one time in seven years that I've asked for something from them because they've, they've generally been very good. But they just weren't, they weren't paying attention when I adopted three kids, finished my doctorate, and, you know, completed five years of ministry. And, you know, just, I just, I brought it up. I said, guys, look, man, I'm, I'm sinking over here. I've added three kids, you know. And so because of that, they, they, they were able to give me a raise. And now we're on a kind of a regular, uh, what's it called? What's that called? Living, living, uh, cost of living raise, uh, which I think is typically about 3%. Uh, and so that that that's one way that we've we've curbed that. 
Um, yeah, so there you go, man. I, I think that's that's kind of what that's what I would say about that. And I think that's kind of where I would I'd lean there. Anybody else got a question on this? This is good, man. Yeah, Sean. Um, so oh. what do you and I don't, I don't have a big problem with this, but when we're trying to move the church back to a biblical model, what what do you suggest if you've got some good men, but they've just kind of grown accustomed to making the decisions. I mean, they're even in the bylaws a little bit that this is the, this is the missions team, or this is the finance team, or this, you know, um, they're kind of been in that position for a long time. Yeah. Well, here's what I did. Um, not (laughs) my, my translation transition podcast was pretty hot as you guys are probably well aware of now. Um, but I will say the things that I said in that transition are true of any major change. Um, it, it, that was one specific issue, okay? But the, the the principles of leading people to embrace a major change, which, you know, a leadership change, a structural change, a translation change, any kind of change like that, you know, there there are good methods to doing that. I, I, two years ago at the Church Advanced Conference, I gave you guys the book, um, Leading Major Change in the Church by Jeff George, which I think is one of the best books out there. There's another book recently that's written in the same vein by Jason. Um, oh, shoot. Um, Allen, Jason Allen. He's the president of Midwestern Seminary. And I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but that's a good one. And then maybe review the translation transition, the eight points there with that in mind, with like kind of replace the Bible issue and just insert in it church polity and think through what that would mean. I I will tell you this. I've got a friend of mine that's dealing with some major changes in his church and his, his, he's wanting, he's wanting to make some constitutional changes. Um, which, which again, is if you've got deacons like that, they're probably very, very passionate about the constitution. Most of them are, um, the only way to flip any of that stuff is going to be make a constitutional movement. So I would identify anything in the constitution that really is either unbiblical or unnecessary and, and, and just bring it up and start the conversation. And, and I would always say, if it's a major change, one of the first things I assure people of is if this is a, if this kind of change is going to destroy this place or our relationship, I'm not going to do it guys, but are we willing to sit down and have an honest conversation about something that's scriptural, biblical, not what we're used to what we not what we prefer, but what is what is actually biblical. And I think I found reasonable people willing to do that. Um, but obviously, as you know, Sean, big changes in established churches are slower than big changes in non-established churches. But I think the pattern is the same. The pace may be a little bit different. But I got to be willing to um, have those conversations about. Uh, things that are necessary, things that are that 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 I feel like are a hindrance. And give you the, the 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 stone cold example, uh, the one I'm dealing with with this, this other friend of mine. And he sometimes he's on here. He, he wouldn't be embarrassed even if he was on here if I told him if I told you. But um, he has in his church constitution a very stringent church membership policy. It's unbelievable. It is the kinds of things you have to agree to, to be a member of that church are outrageous. Like I've never, I've never heard anything like it and they're committed to it. His deacons are committed to it, but he's, it's a hindrance. It's so, you know, some things are unbiblical. Some things are just a hindrance. And this is like keeping good people from joining his church. So he's in this thing, trying to work this out. 
And he's making these proposals. And, and that's the same angle he's taking. Guys, Is first of all, this isn't even scriptural. We've got something that we live by that's not biblical. And I think a good person, a reasonable person, will come to grips, I think, in time and patience with, with that underlying statement. You know, we are living by something that's not scriptural. That is a, that's a tough pill to swallow for somebody that's trying to be, you know, wants to be spiritually minded, you know, and this sort of thing. And I think, I think that can go a long way. Um, so that's how I would start. Yeah, I got I got a couple minutes for a couple other ones here. Um, I think I got I think I covered everything in the chat. Uh, let me let me double check that real quick. See, you, man. Okay, good, good, yeah, great. I think we're good there, guys. Um, all right, let me let me just uh, deal with one more real quick because I think they kind of blend together a little bit as it relates to your, your leadership. And I only take about five more minutes here because I want to spend some time praying together and uh, try to keep this tight for everybody's schedule. Um, when you are trying to wrestle with uh, pastoral philosophy and, uh, you know, obviously then pastoral responsibilities, you know, here's your philosophy. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what the Bible says. And here's my schedule. Okay, here's my schedule. What does that look like as it relates to what my priority is supposed to be? And so this question, uh, how do you employ proper balance and quality study, training times, personal time with people, visitation, counseling, et cetera? That's a great question. Okay. So here's my, here's my thought process. And number one, I have to clearly define my responsibilities, clearly define my responsibilities. What are my responsibilities? Um, I've got to the point now where I cannot possibly have dinner with every single person that's coming through the doors of this church. I just can't. I, I used to try, but I realized I can't. Now I have to push that to small group. They're going to have to get fellowship and encouragement small group. My entrance with new people in the church is a new members class. That's the front porch of the church. That's where I'm sitting on the front porch like grandpa with a cup of coffee Hey, come on in. Let's talk. And then I'm going to start. Show, I'm going to show you to the rooms in the house that you're going to want to be a part of. Okay. That's my front porch. I sit down and it's a relaxing atmosphere. It's a breakfast. It's coffee. Occasionally, it might lead to an additional meeting if I feel like there's another thing that needs to be talked about. In the last two months, we've welcomed multiple members in the church. We have, we had, we had 10 people in our class last Sunday. We already have another family committed for next, next, we do, we do a new members class first Sunday of every month. Um, and twice out of all of those people, have I had a separate meeting with anybody else? And one was related to a missionary family who's coming to our church now, who were missionaries for like 12 years in Nicaragua, and we're getting ready to start a Spanish church. So I felt, I felt compelled to spend some extra time encouraging them about how I thought maybe God could use them to help us in our Spanish ministry. That was number one. The other, the other one was again, another ministry thing. A family has been visiting that the, the man's been in ministry for 20 years, um, 10 years as a student pastor and a children's pastor, 10 more years as a missionary. And now they're at river city. And uh, I feel like he may become instrumental in our children's ministry. You see what I mean? That's like, those are high level. That's a high level conversation. 
That's not just, hey, let's get to know you a little bit here. I just, so there's an example. I can't do that anymore. And so I had to cut it. So let me get back to the big picture. What are my responsibilities? Number two, the number, number one, number two, does my schedule reflect my priorities? Second question. So my priorities are be an example to the flock, preach the word, train leaders, and uh, lead the church spiritually, which is part of train leaders. So I look at my calendar and I look at my schedule and I ask it, does my schedule reflect this? Um, Then number three, if it doesn't, am I willing to eliminate anything that doesn't? That's a high-end view of how I would would take care of things. Um, Guys, it it just takes an honest look and it may even be helpful to get somebody else to take a look at it with you. You know what I mean? Sometimes like, sometimes I think I'm on the right track, but I, I'm not. One more piece of advice there. I just shared this with our interns two weeks ago. I work in blocks and I think blocks are the best way to work. Uh, I work in morning blocks, afternoon blocks, and evening blocks. And uh, in, in a particular block is when I fill a spot. So I've got responsibilities. Those responsibilities lead to tasks and, and those tasks need to fit into blocks. Okay, that's how I take a to-do list and put it into a calendar. So my number one block every week is preparing sermons. Every week, I know I've got to do it. I've got to spend at least six to 10 hours probably, sometimes closer to seven, six or seven. I have to do that every week. So I need two or three blocks every week committed to nothing but sermon preparation, okay? What goes into that block? Sunday morning, uh, Bible studies and leadership training. So I'm preparing content in those three boxes every time, and it never changes. Um, if anybody ever asks me for a meeting, uh, it's always either late morning, lunch, or afternoon because I, I protect those morning times. I don't let anything interfere with those because it's a huge priority. Um, I'm also, you know, a major part of my ministry is helping helping pastors and leaders. So I have church advance, and I have a content block for church advance every every week where I'm developing new lessons. Like I'm preaching out of town this weekend. I'm developing sermons for a men's conference, uh, developing content for the podcast, recording the podcast, all those kinds of things. Um, then obviously I've got a family and a family is, is a major part of what I am. I cannot have a ministry without my family. Okay, I can have my family without a ministry, but can't have it opposite. I'm committed to my family. I only spend one one night a week out uh, each each week and that's on Wednesday. So, so tonight I'm out. Um, Every other night of my life, I'm at home unless I'm traveling. And I just don't do stuff, man. I just, I'm just committed to it. I just don't, I don't take stuff. I don't do it. I don't clutter my evenings with visitation and stuff like that. By the way, Josh Tice told me this. Let me give you some, this is golden here, guys. This may not work for everybody. This is golden. He talked about how he has a block of time for um, taking appointments, which for me is on Wednesdays. Okay. Wednesday afternoons. And he said, I avoid the issue of needing to take evening appointments with members. When somebody calls me and says, hey, pastor, I need to see you. And, and, and I say, hey, great. Next week, I've got Wednesday between one o'clock and five o'clock. And then the person will come back and say, oh, I got to work during that time. Then the answer is this. Well, you know, most bosses will let somebody off work to go visit a doctor or a chiropractor or, you know, an optometrist. Uh, they might be open to letting you uh, take it, take a, take a time to, to have an appointment with your pastor, man. I was like, are you kidding me? That is great advice. Never thought about it before. And I've started implementing that in and I will not budge on that one. 
uh, that is just, you know, it's just great advice. Uh, think about this guys. Like, like what, do, what do people really expect that you're going to do work all day and then spend all your evenings with everybody else after your work is done? Um, that's an interesting, I mean, what, what psychologist works at eight o'clock at night? Uh, you know, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting paradigm. Something we don't think about, but I think it's, it, it's a way to balance. So that, that's how I try to keep myself, uh, in, in check. And there's other elements. I mean, I've got physical elements that I'm working on, you know, exercise, other elements of ministry that are part of my, um, you know, uh, board or whatever that I'm, that I'm accomplishing, but that'll get it. That'll get the job done. So yeah, I think that's a good start. I got maybe two minutes questions on that. If not, we're going to move on to, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. So I, I feel like I've gotten to, um, fairly decent balance of, of schedule, um, and with reasonable expectations for the size of my church. So there's things that, you know, I'm doing that, that, you know, probably a large church pastor wouldn't do. Um, here's something that I get and I, I get frustrated with, with people. Um, usually when I'm talking to, um, members of our church, they always begin with pastor. I know you're super busy, so I don't want to take too much of your time. And then they walk away, not even telling me everything that they tell me. So I can't help them as much as I need to help them. Um, and I am busy, you know, but how do, how do I try to deal with that? Cause I'm, I'm trying to deal with that for years. Just, I'm yeah. I mean, I think to me, I think it's, I think it's just a verbal response when I hear that. I hear that a lot too. I hear that almost every time somebody speaks to me. Uh, it might even be a pastor. I mean, just everybody. It, and I'm like, do I do I walk around saying that I'm busy all the time or something? I don't know. I don't. I don't really feel like I do. But I mean, man, I, I guess I'm busy, but I don't really know. Uh, so I will always just say, this is a great answer for me. I'm never too busy for you. Perfect. Okay. I'm never too busy yeah. for you. I'm never too busy for this conversation. I'm never too busy to help. Or, or another way to say it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? This helping you is what I do. Helping you is my life, is my job. And I'm glad to do it. I do it with joy. You know, that kind of thing. And of course, obviously, and I, you would probably never do this, Andrew, but obviously never, you know, kind of bemoan any kind of busyness or it, we can sometimes we can do that if we're not careful in the pulpit and stuff. We can kind of but I don't, you know, it's probably not any of us here. I just, I just, I've heard that before, you know, man, I'm you know, stressed out, strained out, backed up, you know, that kind of language will uh, make people, you know, really, really think that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just verbalize it right on the spot, you know, that another great thing I've, I've found trying to help people on the spot is praying with people right on the spot whenever something's going on, not just saying I'm praying for you. I just, I just don't do that because the fact is I probably won't. I probably will forget. Every time somebody shares a prayer request with me at my church, I pray with them at the church, on the spot, in the hot, in the lobby, at the altar, whatever. I just made that a practice to show them that I'm stopping everything I'm doing right now to hear what you're saying as well as pray for you right here on the spot. And I think that's been a good, healthy practice for 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 me. And, and I live in a big city, man. Um, people are busy. Uh, people want to come to church and that's about all they're, that's about all you're going to get out of them in a week because they're so busy. The traffic's bad and people are backed up. So we take, I, I give Sunday everything I've got. Um, I'm there early. I stay later than, you know, most people, unless they're just kind of hanging around, you know, playing. Steven, that's a great comment. Checking on people through your phone. Uh, uh, let me, is that all that that comment was? Is there more to it? When driving. All, when he's driving. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great. Make a list of people you want to check on. And then while you're driving, get your earbuds in and, and, and knock down those, knock down those things. Excellent. Excellent idea. By the way, we waste a lot of time, man. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say anybody on this call is, I just say we generally as a society waste a lot of time in commute in frankly, checking things like social media and other things where we could be knocking out ministering to people. And a lot of times, man, all you got to do is send a quick text message. I prayed for you this morning. How was your doctor's appointment? I did that today to somebody. Prayed for your doctor's appointment this morning. How did it go? It took me five seconds, five seconds. And that person knows I prayed for him. I care for them and I'm their pastor. And that's all they need to know. You know, I mean, you can save yourself so much by doing that, man. Don't overlook that. Uh, be, be intentional about that. Pray for people. I've made it a practice for a long time to, you know, as I'm praying through my church list each week, I'll just send one or two text messages a day. Hey, I pray for your family today. That's all I need to say. They know I'm thinking about them and, and you just, you just really stay connected with people that way. But yeah, if you can handle phone calls on commutes, man, that's a huge, that's a huge way to save a lot of time uh, in your life there. Uh, Lord bless you guys, man. And um, take care and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Hey, thanks again for joining us for this episode. We do hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel, that you'll follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. And if you really enjoy the content, then please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your fellow pastors and church leaders. This podcast is hosted by Brian Sams. It's produced by myself, Luke Clayton, and my team at mustincrease.com. Well, we really are so glad that you're a part of our audience and thank you for joining us. And we're looking forward to seeing you in the next episode as we continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches right here on Church Advance with Brian Sams. Thank you.